The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel for this morning comes from the gospel of Luke. Chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Researchers have determined, incredibly, that we make about approximately 35,000 different decisions every single day of our lives, which is a huge number, 35,000 different decisions every single day. Some of them are easy, like when, maybe when to get up, what to eat, what we want to do. Some of them are a little bit harder. I want to get to work. Should I cross the street right now? Do I catch the E train or the F train because it's going faster through Queens? Is the M delayed? Is the R delayed? Some of them are a little bit harder to make decisions with. Now, you would think with 35,000 different decisions that we have to make every single day, that'd be all right if about 34,991 of them are for the good of others. But if I just keep about nine for myself, then I think we're doing all right. Then I think we're balancing it all out. But I think you know that a a couple of bad decisions can add up. And if we keep adding up a couple of selfish decisions for ourselves every single day, that starts to add up. And bad decisions can add up and put us in a place that we don't want to be in. A reality of what we're going to talk about today is that there is an expiration date for the things that we have in this life. There's also an expiration date on your life as well. There's a countdown that you can't see coming in your life. It's not going to be broadcasted in the middle of Times Square, but it's a countdown that's coming, and it's a countdown that you can't see, especially when you focus so inwardly, but it's a countdown you can't see also when your life is so focused on Christ. And the man in our parable today is wrestling with that situation as well. He's got an inheritance issue with his brother. And obviously, it's drawing a little bit of tension. It's drawing a little bit of ire between the two of them. So he goes out, and he wants to seek someone to be able to solve it. 
He goes out and he finds a crowd of people that are surrounding this guy who seems like he knows, like he's talking about a thing or two, like he knows it's like he's talking about a thing or two. Talking about something like hypocrisy. He's talking about fearing someone. He's talking about having authority or acknowledging someone and defending someone. But to be honest, the man in this parable, he can't, he can't really focus on what this guy in the middle of the crowd is saying because he's so focused on getting this inheritance issue solved for himself. Finally, the guy in front of the crowd takes a breath to be able to collect his thoughts in a speech, and there he finds his moment. There, the man in the parable finally decides that he can shout out and ask his question. He asks the rabbi in the middle, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I don't think that this would happen here, but could you imagine what would happen if I just paused a little bit in my sermon to gather where I was in my sermon, to look at what I was, and then Josh blurts out, Vicar, tell my brother to give me the 10 bucks that Joel owes me. I don't think that would happen here, but that would probably cause quite the stir. What captivates someone's mind so much to be able to want to only get this question out and not respect the other teachings that someone else is saying? This guy in the parable, his, he's stuck. He's stuck. His minds are stuck on this life. His mind is stuck on this world's problems. His mind really is stuck on his problems. He's all up in his thoughts. Back at college where I went to, we had morning chapel every morning. And one professor of mine, he confessed during morning chapel that he might be the best person in the world at singing the hymns during church, but not having a single clue what any of the lyrics actually meant. I think that can kind of get to what we're talking about here too. That we can go through the motions sometimes when we come here at church, but we also focus ourselves only on the things that we want to be able to hear. And any advice that is given, any cautions or any warnings that are given to us, we don't hear them or we block them out because they aren't what we want to hear. For the man in this parable, the clock had been ticking for him. But he hadn't had any time to be able to consider it because he had this one issue in his mind that he had to accomplish first before he could get any other advice from someone else. We become so fixated and fixed and focused on what's new and glorious and what's about to happen here on earth that we forget where and to who our true treasure and true inheritance and true citizenship lies with Christ. And Jesus tells this parable to drive that point home. He tells this parable after being interrupted by the guy. And when we look at this parable of this man, honestly, he seems like he does everything right, doesn't he? Looks like he, he planned ahead. He made some smart decisions. He made some good business decisions. He probably met with a financial advisor. He probably talked it through. He had a plan and he had, a, he had it all figured out with how exactly he wanted his life to go. He had done so legally. He had done everything above board. This seems like a good and honest man. And I think if I were to pull the room at this moment too, if we found out that our lives would end up a lot like this, guys, a lot of us would probably want to take it, huh? But that might be a major reason why Jesus tells us this parable too. Because the life that we think and the life that we want to design for ourselves 
isn't often what God wants for us as well. That very life that this man had mapped out for himself was demanded for him, from him that very night. And that life that he had mapped out for himself had forgotten the most important piece of it and the most important element. And that was God, the one who had given him all of those possessions. It wasn't because of this guy's bumper crop or all of these good fortunes that he had his life demanded from him. Those were all blessings from God. But it was because he made those good fortunes and all those blessings the chief end and chief purpose of his life. This man had made his dealings with the world his ultimate desire in this world. The countdown clock had been ticking, but he hadn't had the time to consider it when his thoughts were turned so inwardly. And God tells him and God tells us exactly what he thinks of a life like that. Foolish. I don't know if there's very more scary words to hear from your Savior, Savior and God than that. Foolish. Such an attitude that the man of this person in this parable is considered folly before the eyes of our God. And thinking like that can tempt us to can thinking like that can tempt us to be more focused on what happens here on this earth, what happens in the next when we are called home to heaven. Here's another parable for us to consider this morning. The ground of a certain man had produced an okay harvest. It wasn't anything that he was going to have to break out a new bank account to be able to store up all of his new fortunes and all of his new gains that he had made but he definitely wasn't going to have to close his other bank accounts because of lack of money for it. So then he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have a place to store all of my crops, but I don't have nearly enough to fill all of it. Then he thought to himself, this, this is what I think I'll do. Instead of hustling my way to get more and more and try and fill up this one account, I'm, I'm going to give away the extra that I've made this year. Someone else probably has a need for it. And besides, it's all a blessing from God anyways. Then I'll be able to save from myself. You have everything that you need. Your God has been so good to you. Then you can take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Do you see the difference in the parables? The one reflects an attitude that focuses completely on this world and focuses completely inwardly. But the other one reflects the right attitude that we have when we understand that the possessions that we have are all gifts from God, that he's the sole purpose and the sole, and the sole truth of our life. And it reflects a right understanding of where our true treasure, treasure and where our true inheritance lies. And that's with Christ in heaven. And it's all our true treasure and our true citizenship are all tied to heaven where Christ is and on whom our faith and our hope is built. And on whom our life finds its true value. When God takes away this man's life, there's an implication here that everything that this man had planned for was lost. But for us and knowing where we're going after this life, we know that we have everything to gain. And when our lives are completely focused on Christ, we know that we have only everything 
to gain. And for us, eternity has been solved. This man had tried everything to try and secure himself eternity and secure himself with his possessions. But accumulating possessions is just a safe and unsatisfying goal that really only appeals to people who are focused on short-term pleasures here on earth. And when we know that our lives are focused on Christ, with that in mind, we can, live in a, we can live in confidence and we can live in a sense a little bit reckless from relying on our earthly attachments that we have here. When our lives are so focused on what Christ has done for us and how we can serve Christ in his kingdom, we can ignore the constant thud that comes from the grandfather clock of time and we can ignore that chime from father time because we know that we are known by our father who calls us mine. The God who leads us to green pastures. The God who leads us to quiet waters. The God who knows us, knows our struggles, knows every single hair on our head and knows just how to provide for everything that we need. When we are rich towards God, when we are busy working for the kingdom, we can block out all the other noise in our life that is meant to distract us from real life. Real life isn't found here. Real life isn't found in the possessions that we have. There's so much more to life than that. There's so much more to life when we find it and find our true worth in Christ. And the only riches that guarantee eternal life are the ones that were won for us by a Savior who was willing to come down, make himself nothing, be stuffed with all of our selfish desires to pay for them on the cross to win for us salvation, to win for us eternal life. And with that in mind, as we start this new year, the countdown clock that everyone spends their entire life trying to run away from, we can change our perspective and can't wait for it to run out because we know that that is where we're going, to heaven, where everything has been won for us, and where salvation is and a life forever with our Savior. I'm counting down with a lot of you this morning. Not for the new year. That was last night. We did that last night. But I'm counting down for the days when we can experience the new heavens and the new earth that's awaiting you and it's awaiting me. It's a real temptation this year and also for the rest of our lives to take those 35,000 decisions that we get a day and make a lot of them, or even just some of them, solely focus on me. But with God's help and with our focus shifted outward instead of inward, we can focus our thoughts on the one who is willing to give everything for you and give everything for me so that I, you and I could have everything that we could possibly ever need. Amen.